Welcome to this week's edition of our summer series, Stephen and Company, here on the Stephen Perkins Program. Thanks so much for joining me this week on the Outset Podcast Network. Before we get into the show, I'd like to give a shout out to the sponsor who made this week's episode possible, and that is Octopod. Octopod's line of portable charging solutions will make sure your phone or tablet never dies again. Go to octo-pod.com outset and use the promo code OUTSET at checkout for 50% off. Now, I have been really excited to share this week's episode because I am talking with my friend Jake Jardine, who is a co-founder and the community development lead at Rockstar Cafe, a coffee startup that hopes to do more than just serve coffee. Jake and I met each other in a business and marketing organization called DECA, and I think of him as one of the most entrepreneurial, uh, interesting people that I know. Um, oh, did I, did I mention he's Canadian? Uh, because he is. But guys, let's be nice, really. Now, this week's show is interesting because Jake and I did not talk politics at all. And I know what you're thinking. That seems to be all I can talk about. But instead, we focused on the power of entrepreneurship and how to change the world through business, two things that I am also very interested in. So get ready to hear one of the most interesting conversations I've had in a long time. Here is my interview with Jake Jardine. Well, as I said, my intro, I am here with Jake Jardine, and I have been very excited to talk with Jake because uh, it's, it's it's a different perspective on this week's show. Jake, how are you? Good. You're, how about yourself? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. So, Jake, the reason I'm excited to talk, about, talk with you this week is because this isn't, like most of my shows, a, a discussion about politics. This is instead about entrepreneurship making an impact in the world. And I think that you're one of the best people to talk to about that. Um, and so tell us a little bit about your background, who you are and what you do. Uh, th- thank you uh, for that, uh, first of all. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm Jake Jardine, and what I am is the uh, co-founder and uh, community development lead for Rockstar Cafe, which is uh, my, uh, my startup right now. Um, a bit about myself, I'd describe myself as a, a social marketer. Uh, it, it's funny, with our, uh, with our company, the one thing that we do is we have like our official title and then like a fun name. So for me, my, uh, my fun name, what I want it to be was like a professional friend because that's kind of how I see myself uh, in terms of like marketing things socially. It ended up getting, uh, the name I chose was Espresso Bro, because first of all, coffee puns are awesome, and second of all, kind of shows a more social side. Um, Canadian, I'm not sure if uh, you've had one of us on the show yet. We have so, not, no. So that's, uh, that's definitely a defining characteristic for myself. I've been called the stereotypical Canadian many times, uh, saying sorry a lot. Uh, I'm a diehard hockey fan. I was... <laughs> I, I tell people I was raised on the rink. I honestly think I was on skates before I was one with my dad carrying me. And uh, a, an absolute coffee fanatic. So that's kind of Jake in a nutshell. Right on. Well, I, I should tell you, I just got into coffee. And that is crazy. Okay. The, the, the rush that it gives me, it's a little dangerous. All right. Yeah. It's funny. I um, I'm at the point right now, which I kind of want to stay in, where I don't get a headache if I don't drink coffee, oh, and no. I don't get a headache if I drink too much. So I'm at this little equilibrium of coffee's just like part of me without screwing me over if I admit it. <laughs> That's perfect. So your startup, Rockstar Cafe, it's very uh, it's it's a coffee startup among other things. 
How did you become involved with Rockstar? Uh, so this is actually a, a pretty funny story. So uh, you and I, we met through DECA, right? Right. And um, last year I served on the provincial board of directors for uh, like Ontario's university division of DECA. And we ran a conference. And what, uh, what we wanted to do is sort of uh, focus on like the journey of innovative thought and let somebody come in with an idea and develop it and sort of create their own story. So one of our speakers, of course, was entrepreneurs. And uh, Mark Krzysztowski, who is um, the CEO of Rockstar Cafe and one of my friends, and I'm honored to say that he's an amazing guy. I definitely recommend checking him out if you have a chance. Um, he spoke at this conference and ended up going up to him after and talking to him because the company put together three things that I'm very passionate about, which is uh, business, coffee, and then just sustainability in general. So we ended up going and we started talking and the conversation led from coffee to business to hockey to what you're doing this summer and end up becoming friends with this guy, right? So at the time, I just saw him as someone who is, uh, I believe, four years, three or four years older than me, like being a potential mentor and just sort of following his story. So we, we were in this awkward limbo where we were kind of wheeling each other over social media. Like, he'd like some of my photos, I'd like some of his, and, like, we just kind of kept coming up in each other's newsfeed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then he ended up uh, following what I was doing through DECA and um, offered me a position on the team. So if I learned one thing from that, it's uh, every conversation can turn into something. So it started with just talking to him, getting to know him, and then seeing what we could offer for each other in terms of, like, a business uh, relationship. That's awesome. So at Rockstar, kind of give us the update of where you are now. Are are, are y'all, I mean, you have a a couple of different branches within the company, but what are y'all doing right now? Yeah, so right now we're um, still very much in in, in startup startup stage, like bootstrapping and trying to uh, keep our head above the water while we continue to architect out this business plan before we're ready to actually launch. so where we are now is we're working out of an old box factory, which is, it's really cool, this old rustic environment, and um, nice. I'm just trying to work on the business plan, and uh, do you want to hear a bit more about that in terms of like where we are going? Yeah, absolutely. What's the vision? Okay, so what's, what I want to do is create what I call a fully immersive coffee experience, and by that I mean something that is online and in person, and the, the, the best way I find to describe this is by point is by creating a baseline. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Starbucks, right? Right. Um, are you familiar with their like startup story? Not so much. I know they're from Seattle, but I don't really know their full story. Yeah. So the way I kind of boil it down to is they were founded on two ideas. The first one was bringing like the European style espresso over to North America. Yeah, coffee's more than a wake me up. It's a conversation. It's an experience, right? Right. And the second was uh, the third place theory. And what they want to do is create a third place between work and home where people can sit down and be in community, right? And what I see is they did a, a very, very good job on both of those. But in my opinion, it can be improved on. Um, the, the third place in, uh, in specific. What, what I see is a lack of real community in coffee shops today. 
And my goal with Rockstar is to find a way to break down social barriers uh, so you can go and actually interact with people in your community and explore your community. And to me, the best way to do that is to get people to talk about their passions. Because what do people like talking about other than what they, they genuinely love, right? So what Rockstar Cafe is trying to do as a company is uh, build an online platform where you can explore and discover your community and then translate those into real-life, mutually beneficial relationships. So I believe like the basal level of connection is over a cup of coffee. Uh, I think, I believe it was Howard Schultz, uh, CEO, founder of Starbucks, puts this the best, and he says something along the lines of coffee's a beverage of truth. It's something you can sit down and just have real conversations over. Mm -hmm. So as a company, what Rockstar wants to do is um, create these connections online, bring people into store, uh, create conversation about passions, and then offer the resources so somebody can actually pursue those passions. Uh, what we believe is there's there's five things you need to actually start out like a company, organization, or a venture. And those are human capital, funding, mentorship, resources, and a place to work. And we want to, in one way or another, be able to offer all of those so people can actually go and pursue their passions and get involved in like something that matters. So one of the things that I... Uh, heard about before, kind of going going off the off our normal list of questions here. But uh, Philip Rosedale, the founder of Second Life, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He talked uh, probably in 2009 to Kevin Rose, founder of Dig, now with uh, Google Ventures, I believe. He was starting a place called Coffee and Power in in the San Francisco area, and it was a place where entrepreneurs can come together. It was free coffee. Granted, it, it was more of a meeting space more than a coffee house, but it was a place where you could go and connect with people and make those vital connections. So with the case of Rockstar, you talk about uh, you talk about generating these conversations and making these connections. What do you think um, what do you think is necessary to do that? Because coffee and power isn't around anymore. Um, maybe just because he, he he switched his focus. But what do you think is essential in order to make those connections and drive those conversations? Um, I, I think the, the, the first thing is a completely inclusive environment. I mean, if, um, if I look at myself as a, an entrepreneur and um, the, the things that Rockstar has struggled with, it's finding a place where we can just sit down and be completely open and clear and just work on something, right? So I think the first thing is just straight up inclusivity. Um, the, the second thing is I think storytelling is incredibly powerful. And I know this is an interesting approach to that question, but I think storytelling is it. If, if you can get somebody to share their story and what they've been through and I guess their journey to a point. It's so much easier to interact with someone when you have that 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 basic level of like understanding of where they're from and um, I guess their perspective. Well, um, I agree with entrepreneurship. One of the things that I found um, through my different ventures is a lot of times, especially if you don't have a big team around you, a lot of times you can get to a point where you feel like uh, you've hit a roadblock that you can't really get over and you're not sure if, if, if other people have been able to get over similar roadblocks. Hearing people's stories, and kind, many times their stories through hell, uh, kind of help with realizing that, that you, know, you could probably 
can probably accomplish it. Um, it's not as hard as, as it seems at the present moment. So I agree with you on the storytelling. Um, was, was there anything else that you think fosters that environment? Uh, I want to I want to think about that because that's a that's sure. a a very very big question. It, yeah, it is. Now, now here's one thing. A lot of times, with I would imagine with these kind of places, you get a a big mix of people, right? You have entrepreneurs who um, have these established startups. Some people who maybe further along in the startup phase, some people who are just curious about getting into business. Um, and you talk about being all inclusive. How do you make all those different groups comfortable in the same place with each other? So that's a, that's a very interesting thing. Um, I, I think shared learning is, is the best approach to that. I mean, I was speaking with uh, someone in the venture capital industry uh, the other day, and she said, if I look at like my conversations over the span of a month, it's with business people, business people, people that are investors, venture capitalists. And she said, it's all like a one track mind, right? And she said, the most refreshing thing is when I can sit down with someone who is in arts, who is in psychology and get like a fresh perspective on like the same conversation. Hmm. And I think by creating a environment to facilitate these um, this crossover of like industries and ideals. It can actually um, begin to uh, create that environment. And I think the, the the first step to doing that is through events. Because I mean, if you have like let's say a panel of speakers, right? Mm-hmm. Different people can come to the same event for the same event can draw out people for different reasons. And I, I think that's a, that's a good way to start to break down these barriers and create this melting pot of ideas and beliefs. Right. So let's kind of turn the page on onto a new subject. You talk about uh, you're a social marketer. Um, I mean, would you consider Rockstar kind of a, a project of social entrepreneurship? Absolutely. I, I think without, without a doubt. Um, so for people who don't know, talk about social entrepreneurship a little bit and then talk about what kind of um, made you interested in this brand of entrepreneurship. So this, this is a very interesting question because the, the way I see social entrepreneurship is, is different than a lot of people. Sure. Um, I strongly identify with being a social entrepreneur, but I hate being called one. Okay. So... A lot of the times, if you speak to people, which I will say are in like real businesses, so the people that are on um, like Wall Street for you and Bay Street for us, sure, we have what's called like we call it uh, in the office the Bay Street mindset. So <laughs> Canada's Wall Street uh, is what I'll call it. Is people immediately view you and your company different when you you say you're a social entrepreneur because what people have this uh, this mindset that if you're standing for social good you are somehow sacrificing profitability mm. so in terms of being a social entrepreneur it's having a business that stands for something more than profits and i think by identifying as a social entrepreneur i can actually put you a step back 
so I think there's like this very fine line between pursuing the social good and then pursuing pursuing like the business. And being a social entrepreneur is all about finding that balance. Right. And I mean, if it's not for profit, the goal that you're trying to reach with your with your venture is not going to be accomplished because if it's not for profit, you can't keep the doors open. And so profit's certainly a very important uh, part of that equation. Absolutely. I think um, I think profit is is essential for the success of a lot of these ventures. And um, I understand why some people are drawn to a like a not for profit model. Mm-hmm. But the question I always ask myself is like Rockstar Cafe, we could open as a not for profit if we wanted to. Right. But in terms of actually making a social impact by opening as a not for profit, a we're fighting for a funding pool and B we're limiting scalability. So what I see for a profit venture is the the ability to scale and to scale a lot quicker than a not-for-profit. And that, um, in, in my opinion, allows you to uh, amplify your impact if you can actually uh, like prove your model and then push it out. So what was it about uh, social entrepreneurship or, or just the idea of, of changing the world through a venture? What was the, what was the, um, the attraction to that? Yeah, to to me, it's um, it, it goes back to that old quote: "If you um, what is it? If you don't don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything." Mm. And it's it's just I can't see myself working for a company that doesn't um, that doesn't fulfill a bigger purpose. It's it's all about being involved in something bigger than yourself. Right. Now, you you and I were both in the same CTSO. I, I don't know if y'all call them CTSOs there, but DECA. Um, we were both in the same organization. And, you know, I know for me, you talked about obviously the connections you made that allowed you to uh, to get involved with Rockstar. And I've certainly made some incredible connections in DECA as well. Were there any other ways that a CTSO like DECA helped you, prepared you for what you're doing now? So the, the, the biggest thing with, uh, with DECA is, um, it, if you don't mind, can I go through like my like DECA story? Absolutely. Yeah, go. Yeah. So... I actually never wanted to be involved in the organization. It's it's funny. Um, really, and you're what? You're now a three year officer. F- four year officer. Four year officer. That's right. Yeah. Jeez. So, great. When I was in grade nine, which uh, fre- freshman is that? What the, it's called in the states? Uh-huh. Right. Um, I, I didn't want to be in DECA, and my sister was very uh, involved in the school chapter, and she literally dragged me into the first meeting. I, I was walking <laughs> by the door, and she grabbed my arm and pulled me in. So it was like, all right, uh, looks like I'm in DECA now. I guess I'm in it, yeah. So grade nine year passed. I ended up loving the organization, what it stood for, and then grade 10 came around, and applications for the school team came out. And I was like, you know what? I just want to be a general member. I, I love where I am. It's great. And again, my sister uh, came through and made me fill up application. And I ended up being the president of my school chapter when I was in grade 10. So grade 11 came along. There was the provincial executive applications. And um, it came time to fill them out. And I was like, you know what? Like, I really don't want that. I, I'm happy being a president of my school. And guess who came along? It was my sister. <laughs> And she made me fill it out, and I ended up uh, getting a spot on the team. So what DECA taught me was to fear complacency. 
because I sit there and I look back on my story and in grade 9, 10, and 11, there were big jumps that I had to take. And quite frankly, I, I didn't do them by myself. It was my sister. It was outside forces that pushed me to do it. So then when I actually got on the provincial team, I, I, I started to realize this, that in order to actually move forward, you, you're going to hit these points, like you said, where there's a roadblock, where you don't know if you can move forward, and you, you have to make that jump. That's, uh, that's one of the huge things that taught me. Uh, another thing is, um, I guess, just basic business, like ethics and ways to handle yourself. Um, as well as like the first time I actually had to hit like real deadlines. Mm. Like, there's there's no pushing something back when a conference date is set and you have to have like the provincial program into a printer by this day, right? Right. Uh, another thing, and I'm I'm sure you can relate to this. It uh, it was my first time personally like actually representing a brand. Right. Right. And uh, and they could be they could be quite strict about how you represent that brand, can't they? Absolutely. So reason I bring DECA up is um, there's kind of this DECA does something that I think is interesting and it teaches kids that the best way or, or, or just maybe an alternative way is not necessarily through the traditional route. And there's been this new idea, um, mainly uh, with our generation, this idea that um, traditional school where you, you know, you go to a a good school, you get good grades, go to a good college or university, get good grades, get a good job right out of university, have a good life, blah, blah, blah. That seemed to be the traditional um, formula. And now it's not so much that. There's a lot of focus now on self-learning. There's a big focus now on you need experience. Even when you're in college, you need unique experience. And I think what DECA did, at least for me, is it um, is it showed me not only that path, that alternative path, but it also showed me and taught me kind of how to do that um, alternative form of learning. And I'm curious to, to, to get your opinion on kind of this new wave of, or this new success formula that we've seen to come up with as a generation. Yeah, so um, I, I don't see like entrepreneurship as an alternative per se to, to um, like the traditional schooling routes, but I, I think the benefit is unparalleled. Um, what I see now is if you look at that path, right, it's, it's what is success to you? I think that's the first question you have to ask Right. because to a lot of people getting that good job where they're making six figures and kind of sit back with the luxuries of life, that's success to them. Quite frankly, to me, success is I'm happy with a lot less of the luxuries, but knowing I made an impact on someone's life, right? So the way I see um, the entrepreneurial landscape fitting into this equation is uh, is like this. There's been many articles and studies uh, done on differentiation in terms of like resumes and interviews, right? And uh, it, it's gone to the point where if you have like a, a very basic university degree, it's it doesn't mean as much anymore, right? Right. In the past, everyone graduated with high school degrees, so you, the way you differentiate yourself is by getting one university degree, and that's like your factor, right? Mm -hmm. So now everybody's moving forward, and now everybody has that degree. So people are saying, all right, I need more schooling. I'm going to go get a master's. I'm going to go specialize. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. To me, 
uh, that's entrepreneurship. I mean, if you look at an entrepreneur and success, they they hold a lot of a, a lot of values um, across the board. They, they, they're very driven. They're persistent. They know how to make something out of nothing. And to me, that is like the the differentiating factor. So instead of having this uh, school plus grades plus job equals successful life, to me, it's you use the school as a building block. Um, you, you learn the the basic principles that that you need to be able to interact in the business world, um, and then you build off of that with your own experience. Uh, because I honestly think there's 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 two ways to um, to moving forward and. The, the one is by sitting there and architecting every single move and contingency plans and this and that and moving forward, which is kind of what traditional school teaches us. Mm-hmm. And then entrepreneurship, which is just constant iteration. You, you screw up five times, you nail it the sixth time, and it launches, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, that is what can drive someone towards a successful life. It's getting out in the field. It's screwing up a few times. So with rockstar and the people that y'all have been interacting with i know you have a rockstar program and i want to make sure that that we talk about that mm-hmm. what have you been seeing with um the rockstars that you have now on board i'm you know i'm proud to be one of them what have you been seeing with kind of their paths how are they different from the normal i don't want to say normal persons because that sounds you know just not, not right but how do they differ from the the normal path that people take yeah, so uh, just to give a little bit of background uh, to those that don't know about the Rockstar program, what um, I, I mentioned earlier that I want to create this online face of uh, of our company and then translate those relationships into um, real life connections. So what a Rockstar is is it's a community ambassador. It's someone who we point out that exemplifies our founding principles of heart, soul, brains, and courage. So not only do they have these characteristics, but they actually go above and beyond to make a difference. So. To me, what a rock star is, is somebody who, who will be there for you. I mean, that sounds very vague and fluffy, but it's, it's almost like an emotional quotient sort of thing. It's somebody that you can, you can approach, you can send an email to, right? And that, that, that's what like a rock star is to me. Someone, if you send an email, they'll at least take the time out of their day to reply. Right. And now, in, in terms of, uh, of journeys of rock stars, what I, what I find the most interesting is I'd say about 75% of people that I ask to be a rock star, the first thing they say is, like, why me? And they, they almost doubt that they, uh, they, they have these characteristics. So it's, it's, it's very humbling when I speak to someone who I perceive as a lot more successful than I am say like why should I have this name attached to me right right so that's definitely one of the characteristics of a rock star and in terms of like a journey I think at each point everyone had to hit hit that time in their lives where they said I'm making the jump and uh, this is something that I'm actually going to do and uh yeah, the the thing about our program is it's it's so diverse. It, it's it's we've been trying to mine out common characteristics, but it's it's very difficult to. No, you you have a really good range of people on there, um, doing a lot of different interesting stuff. I, I've been reading through the stories, and 
um, and just the companies that people have and the stories that people have are, are definitely different, but they're all interesting. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I told you whenever um, you first asked me to, to join it was I love the idea of creating a community where someone can easily access a, a mentor type of uh, type of person. Because when I was starting up, I was looking everywhere for a mentor and they're, they're hard to find. Either people are way too busy or they're already involved with a number of other ventures and they just don't have the time to commit to some kid who's starting a thing. And so I really like what y'all are doing there. Um, so I, I, I wanna turn now to kind of a, a big picture question, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the United States, we have our issues. Y'all have your issues. The world has its issues. And it seems like to me, and, and excuse the negativity, but it seems like um, the world is, is not going in a very positive direction. And this isn't even politics. This is just our attitudes. Uh, we're becoming um, less bold. We're becoming less uh, adventurous. And what I'm interested in is out of all the issues, out of all of our differences, what are some principles or what are some things that you think that we could all unite behind? Because for me, I've been trying to, to figure it out. And by the time that this episode comes out, um, there will be a new cover story and outset talking about what I think we need to do in the U.S. But what do you think are some things that unite all of us as people? I, I think the, the big one that pops out to me is just basic access to resources. I mean, if if we can't agree that uh, everyone deserves shelter, food, water, like how can we even move forward, right? Mm. Um, like there's there's the bigger topics like education and such, which that opens up a whole other ballgame. But my my thing is, if you have a kid that's not eating, that's not living in like a safe environment, like you can have the best education in the world in front of him, but he actually won't learn at school because he's not fed. Right. So the first thing is just access to resources, and I really think that should be should be pushed from from the from the big uh, the big countries. I mean, we we have the power to make a difference, and I I really think that's that's something we should all work towards. Um, I don't know how that'll look. But I, I, I think say, what do you think is keeping us from from getting there? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the problem with like uniting behind something, right? Mm -hmm. So when I when I think of like union and people going and driving social change, the best examples are completely polarized issues. So you're getting two sides of the spectrum that are passionate about something and moving mm -hmm. forward, right? It's it's very very difficult to unite behind something that that actually drives change because in general things that people can agree on don't really mean much, right? I mean, everyone should be fed. Yeah, everyone should be fed, right? Right. But then going on about like how to do that. Then the you specifics have to, it gets dicey. Yeah, like yeah. am I going to have to give up some of my resources to to help others when I earn these resources for myself, right? So it's you're having these contrasting like opinions and beliefs and it's that's that's the issue it's it's so, not so do you think because i kind of phrased it as you know what can we unite behind do you think sometimes the problem with driving change is that we we have the attitude like let's just let's just unite behind things and let's just be on the same page do you think maybe it takes a more uh 
I don't want to say polarizing attitude, but maybe it takes more of a of a of a one side to kind of push. I I absolutely do. I I think of one comic in particular, and it's a picture of an apartment building, and an alley beside there is a lady standing there with a purse and a guy with a knife. And then in the apartment building, you see a bunch of people reaching out like with their phones, like hashtag stop knives. Like <laughs> I've I've seen that one, yeah. Yeah. And then the point of it is everyone's uniting behind it, but no one's actually going up to make the difference. Right. So I, I don't necessarily believe it has to be polarizing, but I believe that you have to have this sort of like entrepreneurial mindset of like let's actually go out and do something about it. Yeah. That's really good. Um and you know, it's certainly, I think we're living in an interesting time, um, good and bad. Um, but I, I think ultimately, you know, a, a lot of people say, oh, we don't have leaders like we used to, uh, you know, back in the in the 20th century, the 19th century or whenever. And I think we absolutely do. I, I think that um, they just have to be empowered. And I think most of them are probably still in high school. Uh, so I think we have some incredible people coming up and, and it's just going to take them being bold enough to, to share their ideas. Well, we're going to go to a break real quick. We were talking, of course, this week with Jake Jardine from Rockstar Cafe. We're going to go to a break for a word from our sponsor. Then we will come back for the second half of the show where we'll ask just kind of some assorted questions. Hey guys, if you're like me, you are attached to your phone like it is your child. And in many ways, your phone is your child, right? It's really the only thing you're responsible for at this moment. But don't you hate that feeling when your child almost dies? It's terrible because when your phone battery's life goes below 20%, 10%, and when it's down to 1%, you're in freak out mode because your parental side turns on and you're just thinking, I don't want this very important part of my life to die. I know, pretty grim, pretty bad. But what if I told you that there was a solution? I know, you're freaking out, but there is. Octo-Pod.com has the fix you're looking for. Their line of portable charging solutions will make sure your phone or tablet never dies again. And for you, the listeners of this week's program, they want to give you a 50% off offer because they think you deserve it. I think you deserve it. You do deserve it. So go to Octo-Pod.com outset. View their line of portable charging solutions. Then use the promo code OUTSET at checkout for 50% off your order. This is unreal real but you deserve it so go treat yourself and go to octo-pod.com slash outset use the promo code outset at checkout for 50 percent off now back to the interview all right so we're back with jake jardine from rockstar cafe and i jake i just want to ask you uh a couple of things a couple of assorted questions no rhyme or reason to these really this is one that um that i've been wanting to ask people because i think it's interesting and I've been trying to think of the answer for myself, you know, for what it would be for me. Is there something you believe that people wouldn't guess by looking at you or by, you know, talking to you for just a couple of minutes? What, what's something that, that you believe that people wouldn't expect? Yeah, and this is, uh, this is actually funny because uh, you, you talked to me about this question earlier and I've been thinking. And uh, quite frankly, I, I, I don't know an answer to that yet. I, I think... With with yourself and myself, it, it's one of those things that a lot of what our personal brand is, mm -hmm. is standing for what we believe in. Right. So in, in terms of that, people wouldn't guess that, um, that that's really hard for me. Gotcha. So you're open. You're open about your beliefs. 
yeah, and that, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, um, if anybody approaches me and asks a question, it, there, there's not really any anything hidden under the carpet for me. I'm I'm very transparent, and we'll have the same conversation with everyone. So <laughs> very good. So we talked earlier about um, kind of learning, and obviously of major importance to anything you do, whether it's entrepreneur, just life in general. What is your approach to learning? I, I think I can sum this up in two words, and that's jump first. Jump first. Okay. So, so you're just you just want to get in there and kind of. Are you someone who learns by by doing? Yeah. Um. Uh. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite quotes. I heard it from. Uh, I believe it was someone quoting Reed Hoffman, who's one of the founders of LinkedIn. It's yeah. um. It's that entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff and assembling a plane on the way down. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's about making that jump. It's it's about getting involved in something and then figuring out like how to do it. Uh, a really great example of this is I believe it was it may not have been New York, but it was one of the major cities. And um, they were they were talking about the the bus system and how to improve it and like public transit, right? Mm-hmm. And someone said. Uh, I wish I had the names here to give credit, but someone said, uh, you know what, I just wish that there was a way I knew when my bus was actually going to come. And the conversation led to someone saying, give me a day. So what this guy did is he went out and he, I think, sunk maybe $50 into like a phone line and made a program that basically says that you, you call a number you input like what time, what uh, the, your bus stop was, and an automated voice says like bus five coming in seven minutes to stop eight, right? And it was just patched together, and I believe like the systems like that are still around, and and it was all because someone said there's a problem. You know what? I don't know how I'm gonna solve it, but I'm gonna solve it. Right. One of the things that I think is so important is. Um... I don't know about you. I, I keep a journal where I write down all sorts of stuff, but I have this whole page of just questions that I want the answer to. I, I don't need the answer today. I don't need it tomorrow. I don't need it this year, but I want to find the answers eventually. And I think one of the most important things for um, entrepreneurs and people who want to make an impact is just being able to not only formulate those questions, but being comfortable with asking other people. This is why sometimes in business, and, and I wonder if you relate this, but sometimes in business, it feels like um, like one of the things I always, I don't make fun of people for doing it, but one of the things that it's kind of an interesting quirk of, of entrepreneurs is they're like, we have a big project coming soon, but we can't say too much about it, but we want to hype it up. And I, I think one of the biggest uh, challenges to, to people like you and I are we have this inclination to want to be secretive with our projects. We want our ideas to be ours. We don't want anyone to run away with it. But I think one of the most uh, interesting things is what happens when you open up a question or you open up an idea to a group of people, not, maybe not even people that you fully know, and just kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah, uh, one of the things that I've learned uh, through like entrepreneurship courses and through like I guess experience in the field is that's the best thing to do. What I've found is um, I sit there and I have my concept of rockstar and the problem that it's going to solve. Right? 
giving people an outlet to pursue their passions and linking people who have ideas and people who want to work on something that matters, right? Right. And I see how this is going to work. Uh, but the, the most valuable thing to me has been talking to people off, off the side of the road, um, to, to random strangers and basically saying, like, what are you struggling with? Like, what, what's your job? Why are you doing that rather than something else? And then almost shifting my solution to better accommodate the real problems that are out there. Mm -hmm. What is the process like um, with the Rockstar? How many executives or how many kind of upper level team members do y'all have at Rockstar? Yeah, so we actually have a, a very small team um, of uh, around four to five people. And, so, so what is the process for y'all whenever y'all are thinking of new ideas? Um, I mean, do you have a, a place that, do you find it beneficial to go to a place and talk it out? Or how do y'all uh, kind of come together, connect and, and bounce ideas? I, I think the big, the, the biggest thing for me is um, we've created this like safe space in our office, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's neutral. It's not someone's house. And we sit down and I love whiteboards. Because it's as easy to make an idea disappear as it is to write one down. Nothing's in stone. Right. It actually allows people to write and just be very creative, right? Um, one company that I want to point out is, have you ever heard of IDEO? I think I've heard of them. I haven't checked them out, but the name sounds familiar. Yeah, so they're a, um, I believe they call themselves an innovation and design consulting firm. Mm -hmm. So what they believe is you should think like designers, and they have a really cool, uh, cool process about uh, about learning and about idea generation, and it's all about constant iteration. And that is that's sort of what I what I believe. And I mean, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everyone has ideas. Everyone has plenty of them. And the where the value comes is actually pushing that idea forward and doing something about it. Right. So the biggest thing is generating these ideas and then how are you going to implement them? Like how is this going to fit in like the, the, the big scheme of the business? So one of the things that we've done at, uh, at Rockstar is we've created um, what we call our Battleborn Code. And it's a list of, I want to say it's 25 rules that every idea, every decision we make has to follow. And what is it kind of along the lines of, I, you know, don't, you don't have to recite all 25, but kind of what is it trying to weed out? Weed out, it's sort of um, shifting away from what we're really about, right? Gotcha. I mean, the thing with entrepreneurs and ideas is it's very, very easy to get passionate about something and want to pursue it and then stop and think, wait a minute, what does that actually have to do with what I'm about, right? Right. So it's all about staying true to to our beliefs and actually moving forward to achieve our goal. Right on. So as you started in entrepreneurship and as you are now going deeper into it, who have you found to be an inspiration? Like who's your favorite entrepreneur? Who's someone you look up to? Okay, I have I have a couple answers to this one because I couldn't I can't think of just one. Okay, go ahead. Um First of all, I want to give probably the most expected answer for millennial entrepreneurs, uh -huh. and that's Mr. Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. Because I think he's a perfect combination between like a visionary, 
someone who executes and then just a complete badass. <laughs> I mean, th- this man, he, I, I wrote down one of his quotes and he's talking about um, the, the design for his electric cars, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, if we're all in a ship together and the ship has some holes in it and we're sort of bailing water out of it and we have a great design for a bucket, then even if we're bailing out way better than everyone else, we should probably still share the bucket design. Hmm. So that led to um, them having like this completely open um, releasing all of their patents and letting all these other big companies figure out how to actually create the quality of like vehicles that they're doing at Tesla, right? Right. And to me, that's inspiring because a, I think he definitely has the the right mindset there, right? I mean, moving forward and advancement. You can only do so much by sheltering your ideas, right? So much of it is actually about sharing with others, letting it grow organically, and actually moving forward, right? So he has this mindset of, we're doing it the best right now, but if somebody can be doing a better job, that's what needs to be done, right? And, and I, I love this sort of mindset. And then, second of all, the whole badass thing comes in, because what I see is him saying... Take our patents. Have fun catching up, <laughs> which which to me is just awesome. Yeah. Um, other than Elon Musk, Howard Schultz, uh, CEO, founder of Starbucks, and yeah. for him, it's just I relate immensely to him. If um, if you have the chance, read Onward and pour your heart into it. The two books that he's wrote. I'm not sure if you have or not, but um, I have not. No. Very very good reads because. Howard Schultz, he leads with passion. Hmm. And and that's it. I mean, he he pursues success and he creates this value for like his shareholders and his team. And the whole time he's keeping the, the core of the company like close to him, right? Right. There, there's a story, it's when he uh he stepped out of his um his position as CEO for a bit, and then he ended up coming back. And this is when the, the, the stock started to plummet. And stock starts to plummet. If I'm sitting there, the first thing I think is cut my losses, right? Right. Close down as many stores, step back, re-architect a plan, and move forward. He, he did do that to a degree, but the, the first two changes that he made were he got rid of the breakfast sandwich. Because when you walked in, you were smelling burnt cheese instead of coffee. Right. And he got rid of the new espresso machines, which were a little bit taller, but they were a lot faster. And the problem with that is you weren't able to make eye contact with your barista when they were making your drink. Mm. So to me, that's just leading solely off of off of passion and off of what your company stands for. I mean he wanted Starbucks to be a place you walk in and the first thing you smell is coffee. And it's, it's, a, it's a sensual overload of, of his organization, right? Right. And then, like the espresso machine. Yeah, it was more efficient, but it took away from the experience. And that's something I really relate with. And one of the things I like about Howard Schultz is, and Starbucks in general is, as you said, they have these kind of core beliefs of their company. And they are so um, adamant about staying true to those core beliefs, even if it brings up an issue that people might not agree with them on, 
you have to commend them for staying true to what they believe, for standing for what they believe in and not being afraid to talk about it. Um, but I will say, I will say, Jake, that's kind of a required answer for people in the coffee business to like Howard Schultz. So yeah. I'll just say that. But who was the first person who inspired you to, to kind of take this journey that you're now on? So uh, this is going to be a, a very Canadian answer. Oh, because is it I'm Randall Bretzky or something? Close. Um, <laughs> Matt Sundin, if uh, if you've heard of him, I haven't. He was he's a NHL player, and he was the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs for longer than I can remember. Right. Okay. So um, to put it short, he was my first man crush Monday. Oh, okay. Uh, th- this man, I mean, <laughs> captain of my favorite hockey team, and I could have told you everything about him from like his birthday, which February. 13th if I'm not mistaken you're slipping now I see like to his diet to his training to everything and it's it's the first person that I actually looked at so what was it about him that that inspired you captain of my favorite hockey team to me that's what success was I wanted to be in the NHL for my whole childhood and he was the 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 best on my on my favorite team gotcha so I looked at success and then I started to follow his story and what he did and it 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 opened my eyes to the fact that you you can't achieve something by doing nothing, right? And it's, it's the hours he puts in every day to be to being the best that he could be, and that was sort of what inspired me. Just the the mindset. So I want to move in um, to some questions, really just two questions about your country of Canada. Mm. Now the first is, and and this is a question that someone gave to me, and they said you need to make sure you ask him this. What is so great about Canada? Well, the first thing I want to say is hockey, just because <laughs> the stereotypical Canadian boy. Uh, to me personally, I want to say our, our free healthcare. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because personally, I've broken too many bones to remember. <laughs> and I know um, if I lived in like another country, um, the medical bills would have potentially crippled my family financially. Right. So uh, definitely that. Another thing is, I, I find with with Canada, we are this giant like melting pot of culture. I've noticed that, yeah. And there's there's so many different backgrounds and beliefs and views that are in our country, and I, I think that's one of our um, what one of our strong points. Just um, it's it's taught me to be very inclusive and just the the environment i've been raised in it's always people of different beliefs and values and such and it's it it really opens your eyes to everything that's out there now it's interesting with that diverse background you think we would hear about more not really not controversies but but more conflicts in canada let me tell you we don't we we really don't hear much about you guys um some people think that y'all are secretly plotting uh, to take over the United States. Um, I think y'all are too nice for that. But why is it that we never hear about anything happening there? What are y'all uh, up to? Yeah, this, what are we up to? What are you, up um, to? you know, I, I don't think it's that we're up to anything. I think uh, I'll call this the little brother complex. Okay. I, I mean, you're going to hear about the big things that your little brother does, but like day-to-day activities, you don't really, it's just kind of, oh, we're like, well, True. He's doing whatever, right? Well, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of what was even the last biggest thing that I, that I heard of. 
not being negative i'm just saying you know yeah, y- yeah. Y- y'all seem to be living just a great peaceful peaceful life you know that's a, that's the canadian way eh? I was about to say, I was about, no one <laughs> wants to mess with canada you'll see you'll be seen as the biggest bully if you do yeah. all right now you and i share a common passion that i think is probably even stronger than entrepreneurship or making an impact in the world um tell me if i'm wrong but i i think it's taylor swift absolutely, now, absolutely. I, i've heard you have a taylor swift calendar uh yeah i have the calendar i have the poster um you know i, think, I don't have the calendar oof, you gotta yeah. step up your game steven i know so you've heard about her and calvin harris yes let's talk about this all right let's 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 lay on the couch and kind of therapy session this out um are you jealous am i jealous okay put it this way <laughs> my friend sent me a playlist that he thought i should listen to uh-huh so i put my headphones on put the playlist on shuffle what do you know a song by Calvin Harris came on. <laughs> Next thing I know, my iPod's across the room and I'm curled up into a ball. So am I jealous, Stephen? <laughs> I mean, you're open about your feelings. It's good. But but shouldn't it be about her happiness, Jake? Shouldn't it be about if she's with someone who makes her happy and will soon make her her next million dollars because you know there will be a song about him when that goes south. Oh, absolutely. Don't you think that that's what's important? I think her her happiness is definitely definitely what should be at the core of this. Um, but I mean, like Stephen, soon enough she's going to have to realize that there's only two real options for her. And when that moment comes along, I'm sorry, Taylor Swift beats our friendship, and I'll I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a duel to the death. Absolutely. I tell you, it's good to know she has a belly button now because that was concerning me for a while. So yeah. you know about Taylor Swift's battle with Apple. She finally got them to pay artists for the three-month subscription period for the new Apple Music. What is the next thing that she should focus her attention on changing in the world? So the, the thing is, I, I think there's, there's two different ways I can answer this. The, the, the first is what should she focus on, mm-hmm. which is, uh, to me, I think equality is a huge thing. I think she's a huge spoke person. She can really move initiatives forward. The next thing is, what is she actually going to focus on, right? And, and and here's the thing. If we look back to like celebrities aligning with causes, most notably I'm thinking of Emma Watson and Leonardo DiCaprio when they spoke at the UN. Right. They receive a lot of hate when they stand for something. Right. So like without a doubt, they're educated people. But to the public eye, all they'll ever be is like a Michael Jordan on a Nike ad, right? Right. So I sit there and I think Taylor Swift, like her, her publicity team is, is never going to let her really go for something extremely polarized because her fan base is so big and so diverse, right? True. And this being said, it made me very, very happy when Taylor Swift made the stand um, and ended up being the one releasing the Apple Music announcement, right? So what I see is she's choosing something that's in her industry, and fighting for it to make a difference. So I, I, I think she's definitely a, a powerhouse, right? She's a huge celebrity and has like the ability to make some serious change in the world. So what I want to see is um, her, her be a bit more bold, right? Like she loses a million fans and that's really not much to her. So I think she should choose one of these big issues and just just stand beside it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So uh, again, going like to the whole like equality thing, like I don't know how that could play into it, but I mean, how cool would it be to see her 1989 tour be branded for an initiative, right? And actually, like donate funds to something or or stand for something more than just running an awesome concert which i'm going to in a few months how dare you okay first of all how dare you because <laughs> I, I didn't get the invite and apparently she's in dc today and i'm i'm not in dc but it's it's fine i'll get over it no what i mean recently she she took a stand and, and talked about uh feminism which which made a lot of people angry made a lot of people happy um but, i missed that yeah i i'm trying to remember exactly um where i think it was just in an interview she made some comments about it and some news sources picked it up so I, I think she she's inclined to go that way but both her team and she are very smart and, and they know that they have to be very calculated with with their decisions and and what they choose to endorse but she is a force to be reckoned with um i hope she does not end up like i was thinking about this the other day shania twain was kind yeah. of by the way thank you for for giving us shania twain um <laughs> she is on her farewell tour right she's she's leaving and i hope taylor swift doesn't reach that point um because that would that would be a very sad farewell concert to go to absolutely so uh, where can people find you where can people find rockstar give us the links to connect with you yeah so uh so me personally i'd say um shoot me a follow on twitter um Jake A. Jardine, at Jake A. Jardine, and um, basically I tweet about coffee, entrepreneurship, hockey, kind of whatever comes to my mind. So, so if you enjoy those things, yeah, if you enjoy listening to me speak today, uh, a lot of my tweets are kind of parallel to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rockstar Cafe, our our biggest thing right now is our our Facebook, and what we're doing is we're sort of using it as a liaison between uh, releasing this online community. So um, check us out on Facebook uh, at Rockstar Cafe, and uh, you can follow um, some of these people that are in our local community and around the world that are making uh, big changes. And read Stephen's profile; it uh, it was actually one of our biggest hits, which I I'm really happy about. Oh wow, that's awesome! <clears throat> and um, um, that that just means my dad read it a lot. <laughs> Hitting refresh, right? That's right. I mean, I, I was like, Dad, we have a mission. Um, so, Jake, thanks so much for coming on the show this week. I, I think uh, this was a conversation that I didn't really know how it would go because it was it's a different pace than what we've done in the past. But I'm really happy you came on. Um, I, I wish, of course, Rockstar and you the best of luck. And I think y'all are going to do some incredible things. I encourage people to go check it out and get involved um, as much as they can. Um, Jake, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Jake one more time for coming on the program this week. To listen to future episodes, make sure you take a second to subscribe to this show on iTunes. And while you're there, head over to the Second Look with Benjamin Green page and the Matt Dallas Show page and make sure to subscribe to them too. Both incredible podcasts. And also make sure to follow Outset on Twitter at Outset Magazine and on Facebook.com slash Outset Network. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you back here next week. Bye.